welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I am joined uh, this afternoon by uh, producer DJ. Uh, he His latest uh, EP is called District. Um, he's based out of Chicago right now, uh, but I'm excited to talk to him about his passions. I understand why he does what he does. He goes by Die by the Sword. Thank you very much, Connor, for joining me today. Ben, yeah, thank you. It's uh, good to finally meet you, like most people in the last year, over a computer screen. That's right, yeah. It's, I've been making all my friends, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing well. Um, as we mentioned uh, before we hopped on here, just glad that it's not snowing anymore in the Midwest, you know, because what else would you expect on the second to last week of April? Good. Yeah, it was Black like, work. it got to like 75, like two weeks ago. And then, nope, still one more uh, batch of flurries. And uh, I don't know if you were there, but anybody who watches this or listens might remember um, on this week, it might have been the, yeah, I believe on this week in 2019 was Lunar Tide Chicago at Riverside Complex, and there was actually a blizzard that day. I believe it might be the 23rd or 24th of 2019, so I mean, we're right uh, on par with uh, with the Farmer's Almanac. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, dude, and we don't get out of it until you get out of the Midwest entirely. Um, I, like, I mean, I didn't mind it that much. I just, like, wasn't really trying to leave the house yesterday when it was all going down, um, but today was is like 55 i wanted a nice walk and uh ready to do some nice guy podcasts now um yeah dude uh what we talk about in mr nice guy we talk love and fear passion and creativity and so first so um knew who i learned of you uh through covering the milwaukee music scene here and um I know you're not like technically a Milwaukee artist, but you know, you, you've, uh, you did the, uh, lives, you did a live stream for the Miramar, um, which I've interviewed a lot of producers and DJs, uh, who have called that place home. And I like took notice of you because I noticed on Facebook, we had a lot of mutual friends that were, that like were people I went to high school with and lo and behold, like you went to, you grew up in Homewood and then moved to New Lenox, Illinois. And I grew up in Flossmore, which is right next to Homewood. And uh, it's just not, it's very like rare. I meet anyone these days like that know about that area, let alone grew up there, spent time there. You know what I mean? So I got yeah. really excited and I was like, I want to check this guy out and see what he's about. And it turns out I really like your music too. So I appreciate it, dude. And yeah, obviously, um, I found you through uh, Breaking and Entering. Um, I think you put out a write-up on System. Yeah. And uh, that's actually, I, I put this on Twitter a couple of days ago, because I actually pushed that one uh, through distribution, because at first it was uh, what I thought to be the last Bandcamp Friday. Um, Meaning that, you know, for, for those who don't know, um, Bandcamp waived their fees to help artists during COVID since obviously we're not making money from any shows. Um, so it was right before New Year's, so end of 2020. 
and I was sitting at home in my parents' house because I go home for like Thanksgiving through New Year's mm-hmm. and I just hang out because as cliche as, as it is, there's no place like home for the holidays. Right. Yeah. Great song, banger. No, I'm just kidding. But anyways, uh, I was sitting in my room and I'm like, and trust me, my, my room in my parents' house is literally just my bed and a, a chair. There's no, like, I have everything here, like all furniture and everything. So I brought my monitor home and my HDMI cable and I was like, how about I just fucking write a song? And like how I have my laptop sitting in my lap right now, I plugged an HDMI in to my monitor and I just sat there with a, with the scroll pad and my keyboard, no, no MIDI, no nothing. Wrote that entire song with the pair of headphones and uh, initially it was supposed to just be for Bandcamp. And then I realized that Bandcamp is just like, okay, we're still doing Bandcamp Fridays. So with that being said, I put it on SoundCloud and then I was like, all right, I want to push this on streaming services because that's actually one of my favorite songs I've ever wrote. And uh, yeah, so I met you through the interwebs um, right. when you put out that write-up and I appreciate that, dude. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Um, what we do um, and when, when we talk about like covering Milwaukee music, I try to cover artists that also have Milwaukee ties that might not specifically be living in Milwaukee. And um, I've even done some write-ups. I mean, it's it's all DIY, so I can write about whatever I want. So um, yeah, uh, really enjoyed what you're doing. A very liquid production, um, which I'm excited to uh, talk more about um, in a bit. First, Connor, uh, we'll start with um, so norm. So, I already know, like, obviously, where you are from and where you grew up. But tell me about how music all kind of started as a creative creative outlet for yourself uh, when you were younger. Yeah, um, I was always just extremely fascinated by music. Um, growing up, like my three things. It was music, skateboarding, sports. Mm-hmm. Like I, I talked to my parents um, pretty recently about this. I was like, you know, like me and my sister growing up, we we had a nice little backyard and we were always outside. We were always doing random creative shit. Either we were building like ramps for bikes and skateboards and playing backyard baseball, all that. Um, we always had that creative spark as compared to now where, I mean, if you were born today, you'd have an iPad in your hands by the end of the year. But um, with that being said, um, most of my time was all music, sports, skateboarding. And um, it started when I started taking guitar lessons in Homewood briefly. but I was like really young. I was like six or seven. And I just remember like, obviously you learn on the acoustic guitar first and an acoustic guitar, unless you buy one, like for a younger kid, like a smaller one is like big and awkward. And like, obviously, you know, at the time I'm not the biggest kid. And 
I, I was having a hard time picking it up. I'm like, ah, shit. So whatever. Um, then fourth grade rolled around. I, uh, I learned the violin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played in orchestra for a year and then I went straight to band, played trumpet, baritone until eighth grade. So about three to four years, um, played in a jazz band, um, through the school, obviously didn't, didn't, you know, go play speakeasies at the age of 12, but, uh, right. with, with that being said, um, all of that was happening in behind the scenes. Um, I was also on my own time, again, taking lessons for guitar. Um, my parents had bought me an electric guitar for my 11th birthday, I believe. And yeah, now that's 16 years ago. And, uh, that's still my primary electric guitar today. Mm -hmm. I still do play pretty often. Um, never in a serious band or anything like that. Uh, but definitely like have written some songs on the guitar and um, that's kind of how I got started and uh, what became of that uh, with the whole electronic music uh, happened around the age of like 18 maybe 19 or 20 for production but like DJing started uh, around the age of 18. Well what was your inception into electronic music? Um, my inception was, I was super into hardcore music. Um, I was at Warped Tour, and the first time I ever heard dubstep was... Tinley Park? Uh, yes, at Tinley Park. Dude, um, I, that was one of my old jobs. I used to work security there. Oh, Fuck yeah. that everybody place, worked, man. Everybody worked there. Yeah, it's a terrible place to see a concert. Terrible um, place to work too. So I went there, and I'm waiting for a van to come out, and they actually walked out to a dubstep song, and you know, me hearing that, like knowing that I listen to hardcore music, at the time they'd be like, "Oh, well, why are you so fascinated by this? Like, hardcore music is fucking insane." Um, but it was like nothing I ever heard before. And somebody asked me if I liked dubstep like months later. And then I go, Hey, is that the shit that Amir walked out to when, uh, when we saw him? He's like, yeah, that's exactly what dubstep is. And then, you know, we started listening to Skrillex, Flux Pavilion, all that. And this is like 2010, uh, early 2011. And then my actual inception was Congress Theater, uh, Two Night Run, uh, Skrillex played on November 10th and November 11th. Oh, and yeah. that was that was honestly like still to this day, just unbelievable. And uh, definitely like a very big uprising for him, not only him, but, you know, an American, an American dubstep, I would say that, you know, he pioneered basically the entire revolution, not by himself, but he was definitely you know, top of the mountain. Yeah, right on. Dope. So that kind of got you into, like, did you just kind of, like, get attached to it and decide you wanted to try your hands at, like, seeing what you could do with production? What I did first was I downloaded all these, like, free 
DJ softwares, uh, like 2011, like even yeah. before I went to Skrillex and such. Um, it's like my junior year of high school and I'm just fucking around like syncing beats and mm-hmm. like I got a gist for how DJing actually works because going into that show, I just remember sitting in line thinking like, what's going to happen? Like, is Skrillex just going to like walk up there and like press play on each individual song? Like, how is this show going to go? Is there going to be like a break in between every song and we all applause like we're seeing a band? Like, what the fuck's going on? Um, Because it was like just unheard of at that point for, you know, someone who's 17 years old and born in 1994. Um, So first I got like really fascinated into the DJing and yeah this is long before production and then I bought some really shitty controller from Guitar Center um, for like $150 in summer 2012 and then that's when I just like actually started DJing like making mixes and such like that and then I ended up bringing it to house parties and bringing it to college with me and then a couple years later in college when I lived alone one summer uh, for an internship and I mean living alone in Bloomington Normal Illinois is like living alone like you're the last person on earth like <laughs> Matt, Matt Damon Martian yeah Will, Will Smith I am legend shit um yeah so that Killian Murphy like, and 28 days later <laughs> yes I, I said I'm like I have so much fucking time on my hands um so instead of just doing what I do all year round at school, getting shit faced, I will uh, learn how to write some music. So yeah. uh, obviously had some music and uh, creative past. So really just applied that previous knowledge and uh, found some good publications and YouTube channels and shit to watch. And uh, ended up teaching myself how to write music that summer. Yeah. Right on. And so what summer was that? Like what year was that? 2015. Word. Okay. Damn, right on. Okay. So and and if you could find any of that music I put out, I'll give you a cash prize because there's a reason it's not out there anymore because it's fucking shit. I'll put it out there uh, shamelessly that uh, you can find my first attempt at a podcast on SoundCloud and it is also shit. Uh, <laughs> it is never took down. Yeah, try on right. Yeah. Where would it go from there? Like, uh, when would you start, like, kind of showing your music to people? Yeah, absolutely. So, summer 15, I was writing music, and, you know, I knew how to make a song, like, a verse, a chorus, a bridge, a verse, a chorus, an outro. Yeah. Like, I knew how to structure a song and all that, and I knew melodies, I knew key, but what I didn't know was like mixing and I had no idea what mastering even was. I thought mastering was just, you know, the master volume that you turn up and down. Like I had had no idea. So I started showing like close friends what I was making like end of 2015. And then I made some like house tracks and like some general like futury bassy remixes um that i might have put on soundcloud not sure uh but yeah 
I, I was doing that, but at the same time, I, at the end of 2015, I started like playing college parties more and more. And like, that was super fucking exciting. Cause like, obviously the only place I'd ever DJed was my bedroom or like in the background of someone's part party, like where they're not yeah. really paying attention, but the places I did play like at college parties, like everybody was paying attention to like the DJ and they're just raging to the music. And like, that was so much fun. Cause it was like nothing I had experienced before. So um, I didn't play like my first ever legitimate show until May, 2016. That was at Illinois state. And uh, by then I had, yeah, been writing music, but not as much as I'd like to, but you know, that was also when I graduated college. So I kind of had to pass all my classes in order to do that. So yeah. now, you know, being like, in in the real world as they say um much more time compared to college because you know like fuck at college the work never ends like now in the real life work ends at five o'clock unless you're a firefighter doctor accountant etc or you're DIY music blogger trying to make it by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah. Working after hours. So just so you right. know, I do have a, I have a hard stop at five o'clock. I'm off the clock now. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I get it, man. You you moved to Chicago right after school, right? I was home for a year in New Lenox. Sure. Okay. And then I assume you got a job and just start keeping your your sense of wonder alive by uh, making some music on the side when you got home from work. Yeah. So, you know, 2016, I really just spent it, you know, that was a really stressful fucking year for me too. Cause not only did I graduate, but um, a lot of personal life shit. And on top of that, like my first ever real job. Um, yeah. Like, breakups and my job fucking sucks and I left it like three and a half months into it um so that obviously like took me away from the lab but uh all things aside or all things considered um I you know just was constantly making ideas I wasn't like finishing tracks and then like 2017 is where like it was it wasn't even gradual like I just wrote like one track and then just after that just never stopped so what was your first um like uh official release would you say so this is back under my own name um I wrote like a pretty like bass heavy instrumental called passengers and that came out in August 2017 I self-released that one and then um yeah that got like a surprisingly like big reaction from somebody who like you know had never put out their own music um and I still love that song but uh after that I lived alone in a studio so now the beats are just coming and coming and I'm making edits and I'm making songs like for the hell of it and funny mashups and all this bullshit and at that time uh, I stored like a lot of music that I never put out so I put like a five track EP out it's like an untitled EP 
and you can find passengers and um, this EP on the Die by the Sword SoundCloud. Uh, it's just like a Connor Cogswell self-titled playlist. Sure. Um, and yeah, those tracks, I, I had wrote like a brief piece about it. I said like, I never really got to finish these tracks like to their full potential, but like I finished them enough where like if I were to work on it more, I'd kind of feel as if I overkilled it or like forced it. Yeah. So I put the, I put those out and they're full length and they're playable. I mean, they're pretty shit, but um, yeah, like it's a it's a part of the process. So I put that out yeah. 2017, and then um, that's also the year like where I really just like committed to dubstep and like. 2018 as well but like 2017 like that's when I like really committed to it I stopped like making just like the random like genreless shit yeah and uh 2018 I started making like songs that I still play out today um and songs that I put out under Die by the Sword and uh the actual inception of Die by the Sword was uh a March 2019 okay yeah, that was gonna be my next question is where where'd your name come from? Oh, where did it come from? Yeah, I get this often. So um as I mentioned, huge, huge into hardcore music. Uh before that I was like huge into metal more. Like I thought like hardcore music was like for scene kids, as they used to call it. Yeah. Um so I was like super into Slayer and they have a track called That by the Sword. And uh there's also like a passage in the Bible where it like refers to that. And it's also like very poetic as well, because obviously it doesn't mean, even though like with the logo and stuff, it it isn't very literal when they say like live by the sword, die by the sword. It's not like if you tuck a sword in, <laughs> in bed with you, like the sword is gonna grow arms and kill you. But, um, it's very metaphorical and it just means basically you're a product of your own environment. You know, like they say live by the sword, die by the sword for, you know, people like violent criminals. Like when, when they're killed, they, they lived a violent life and that's how they died. Uh, basically it just means like you reap what you sow. And sure. uh, yeah, I, I actually read some comments on uh, one of my premieres with infernal sounds and uh it, it said like someone commented great song goofy moniker and i'm like thanks a lot asshole yeah, yeah. and uh and i'm like i'm like all right well you know what uh, sorry i didn't like just use my name with no vowels like every <clears throat> other bass artist or some shit Dude, yeah like, or take so, a word a regular word and take all the vowels and replace them with yeah like, these <laughs> V's or yeah, yeah, or X's or some shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm like, all right, Dick. Let's see, let's see your moniker and your music. Yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of funny you say you mentioned Slayer because um, when I like, actually, like right before we uh, started this call here, I've like searched your name in Spotify. And Slayer was the first result. Yeah, right? and and that Slayer song, and I accidentally clicked that uh, instead of uh, your your artist profile, so I got blasted with about two seconds of a Slayer song um, uh, by accident. 
but yeah, that that makes that makes sense then. That that uh, <laughs> why that hey, happened. Man. I'm gonna pull up your Spotify. Not gonna hit the Slayer song this time. Um, okay. So yeah, you started with you know a couple of uh, singles, um, late 2018, 2019, and then you had the Groundwork EP in 2019. And then Sands of Time, I believe, was the first song I discovered you from. Um, you know what? I I I want to correct myself then because I thought the first write-up was System. Your second write-up was System. I thought your first write-up was System, and you wrote um, another write-up on the new EP. But it was Sands of Time and then System. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I yeah. Got nope. it now. Sorry about yeah. that. Oh, no worries at all. No worries. Um, I really liked Scenes of Time because I felt like the, the name of the song sounded exactly like what I pictured um, with your instrumental there. Like it, it did feel like very ancient, very like uh, like there was a lot of lore in the um, in the production. Like you're like stumbling upon like crazy tomb like that's buried under a sand dune and you're about to if you make a wrong step it's gonna like all hell is break, gonna break loose or some yeah. shit it is very like mysterious like that and I, I liked the suspense that it that it conveyed thanks i i uh i love that song too and uh you know compared to like the more uh melodic well i mean in in bass music a lot of people you know wouldn't call it melodies because obviously when it's just like hard hitting subs and stuff um the more catchy tunes like obviously got more of people's attention but uh santa time's another one that i like really liked writing and uh i hyped that up probably harder than any track i've ever self-released and uh like i can just remember like when i after I wrote the song and obviously I had to find artwork and stuff like that and if anybody ever does wonder um all my artwork on my self-released shit is um royalty-free images like people ask like oh who's your designer it's me <laughs> and I, have, I have no I have no adobe skills no photoshop skills um all very simple cloud-based software there's no secret sauce and uh what I was going to add was when I saw that picture of, you know, the guy by himself with the footsteps, like trekking through the dune, I knew like right then I was like, I don't need to look at anything else. Like this is going to be the, the album cover well, the, for the single. And uh, yeah, I actually don't get to play that one out too often because it's, it's not as high energy. It's very, uh, a very basic like drum pattern with just a kick and a snare for like the first like 32 bars of the drop and uh you know it's heavy but it's not too upbeat and like especially now when shows are coming back and people you know have been pent up inside and they want to they get in their pot or their table whatever and they want to fucking rage i'm not going to turn on you know sands of time and have them be like all right now i gotta sit back down and <laughs> check my instagram feed or some shit yeah. but Maybe the right time like yeah the right time and place will come um not sure if you're familiar with not low 
but she so. yeah she's out of out of Colorado. She actually played at the uh, Mishawaka Amphitheater with Closey. Oh, cool. And and uh, she mentioned she's like yeah that was the first song I played at the time and uh, it just like fit the vibe of the night and I was like I was like yeah I I that restores some faith for me because that means like I I can find the right time for that to play because like for example I'm playing tomorrow uh, in the west side of Chicago and uh, I have some songs that I haven't played in a while in streams or even in the show uh, with Chief Kaya a couple weeks ago because I was saving them for the right opportunity and like while I was getting ready for the set and like getting a playlist together I was like you know this is this is the show that I'm gonna like drop this song at and I kind of just like want to build some rarity behind some of them that I really care about yeah right on deep cuts yes deep they're, cuts they're important salad. man yeah <laughs> dude yeah uh i'm digging into the deep cuts my friend tell me about a uh, system uh tell me about that body work yeah of course so when i when i mentioned it um system like as you can see on the, on the cover it has like a modular rig and it's supposed to sound like, you know, it was made on like a old school, like dub system. But really, as I mentioned, it was all made in a suburb surrounded by cornfields, me sitting in, in, a, in a house, just how I'm sitting now with a laptop in my lap and a, uh, a monitor right above me. So no like crazy software and shit, or sorry, hardware. Software's definitely crazy, but no, uh, no brick and mortar studio and crazy analog instruments. Um, and I just tried to make that one like as archaic and organic as I possibly could, but having like a very modern kick, snare, and sub at the same time. Cause I just remember uh, writing the sub and a lot of the old school subs, you just hear like a very subtle, flat toned sub. But this is just like almost like a Nero sub, just like white noise all over it. And it's very spacious uh, as opposed to, you know, something just laying right over the foundation, a very subtle like mono subwoofer and, uh, you know, the kick might have been a little too loud uh and the snare it's just like a very loud hard-hitting track and uh definitely like a lot of inspiration from kaiju on that one um i have used kaiju as a reference like as or i've used kaiju for reference tracks before i won't say which ones it wasn't system but when I listen to System, there are like a couple um, synths in it. Like after the first like horns hit, there's this like whooshing synth. And when I first like made that synth in Serum, I actually like thought of the like newest Deep Medi Kaiju release. And I was like, all right. And I was like, well, I, I fucking love Kaiju. And like, obviously this isn't, stealing from them i made this sound myself sounds 
somewhat like them. So I put it in there and like a lot of my music, like especially Groundwork EP was all very influenced off like the OGs that got me into this in the first place. Like yeah. Mala and Scream, Egoless. Um, so of course, like if it sounds like it could be them, you know, that's a, that's a good thing as opposed to like being a singer when they say like, Oh, you sound like this. It's kind of saying like, Oh, you sound like everybody else. Um, sure. Because at the end of the day, it's still made from, from scratch uh, as opposed to, you know, just plagiarizing. Yeah. yeah no, I feel that like that's an interesting way to look at it. The, the distinction between instrumental production and like, you know, vocals and songs and yeah um sure and then uh tell me about district the new ep yeah so been holding on to that for a long time um you know when all this when all this hit uh with coronavirus um you know we were told i think the entire country was told to stay home for two weeks so those two those two weeks went went by and uh I think we all realized it was going to be a lot longer. Than I remember. anticipated. I'm yeah. not crying. I'm not crying, but hey, trust me, I, I, I would if I thought about it that enough because it sucked. But, <laughs> um, with that being said, uh, you know, the first two weeks I didn't look at it as like some, uh, no show hibernation, and I'm just going to write all these songs. But then once I like really figured out in like April that this shit was going to last <clears throat> maybe years. Um, I just sat in my room every weekend and fucking just made as many songs as I could until I literally got so sick of making music that I couldn't even open my computer. So um, during that time, I started most of the District EP. The only song on there that I did not write during quarantine was the final song. That's called No Return. I actually wrote that in February. Um, and that's when, you know, I was talking with Badman Studios who released uh, the EP. And they're like, yeah, you know, we want to stick to a four track format. I was pretty fine with doing Resurrection, Labyrinth, and District. Um, however, they're like, yeah, we want to stick to a four track format. And I was like, all right, well, um, listen, how about we give it like X many weeks and I will write a brand new song from scratch. And that song, uh, that's when like my songwriting, like the gears were just clicking and there were absolutely no frets and second thoughts and like bottlenecks it was just like turning for me and I wrote that song yeah like faster than most um probably on all, all in all like a week's worth of sessions and yeah. I sent it to Jason who runs Badman and he's like yeah this track is fucking sick dude and uh yeah ended up like getting premiered on Fat Kid on Fire, big UK, uh, I don't know what I, I don't want to call him a publication because, you know, he's, it's mostly like a radio. And uh, yeah, I believe they might have like a vinyl release 
they do have they do record releases but uh they're mostly known for their premieres their mixes and uh their releases as well but um yeah to hear them premiere was definitely a big accomplishment and uh got a good got a good um got some good feedback from jay kenzo um and yeah aside from that like all those songs were were uh, written during quarantine and uh district itself actually i take that back now that i think district itself was written before i played the black box in denver and as everybody says uh they do they really do have the best sound system out of any dubstep venue in Cool. America and wow. uh I knew like going in there I had to you know like that was that was my chance to make somewhat of a name for myself and uh playing district on that is something I'll definitely never forget and uh even though that was like just my self-mastered version it's not you know the final version I put out I did change a numerous amount of things as time went on but uh, I wrote that before black box and Resurrection and Labyrinth were written like right at the beginning of all this shit. So like a year ago, like around mm. this time. Yeah, that was a viscerally dark fortnight of a time. Yeah, it was so <laughs> weird. It was the weirdest thing. We're gonna look back and nobody's yeah. gonna realize like how we were just so we were just so naive when it was happening because like they kind of made it seem like those two weeks that we were going to be staying home was like going to be the worst of it all. But yeah. The worst of it all really didn't happen until like around Halloween and Christmas. That's when like yeah. you look at the numbers and you're like, Holy fuck, six months crazy. later. Yeah, yeah. Right. And you know, it's because, you know, some States were less strict and like people were going on. I, I can't really tell you why that happened, but what I can say is, you know, all of us sitting at home, especially those in the music scene, we were like, Oh, this is going to last like, two weeks and then it's going to be it is what it is and now it turned out to you know be something that some scientists say is going to last a decade like in some capacity or another um so yeah it was just weird to think like how much more we know about it now and i always tell people like it's going to be really fascinating to see and like you know within now and 10 years like what is uncovered about um, the coronavirus, like learning like how exactly it started and what it does. And it's just a very odd time to be alive. Um, and there is, there are some silver linings, but uh, I'm ready for music to get back. Really am. Oh yeah, and, uh, same. Very much you know, same. Like, you know, if, if that's banking on the uh, vaccine campaign, then I'm obvious, I'm all for it. Um, Obviously, it, it's not going to happen overnight, but uh, uh, going back to what I said about how we all thought this would just like last two weeks and end, um, I at least had this feeling that it would just be all some big like grand reopening. And I don't really think, well, I don't need to say that. That's not the case. Um, because now things are like gradually reopening and venues are like letting like certain amount of people in and they're doing the whole table thing and like at first it sounds super unappealing like 
oh, why would I, like, get a table for a dubstep show? And then, like, you realize, like, they just have that to keep everybody in one area, and they don't want, you know, like, crowds gathering. Like, that's all understandable. And actually, like, it's a lot of fun. Um, Because obviously, at this point, we're just uh, playing the cards we're dealt, so to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm vaxxed. I got my... I'm fully vaxxed as of last week, so I'm not too worried. I, uh, I'm luckily, I'm very fortunate to have avoided getting the virus. Um, I never got it. Obviously, we got to still wait until more and more people like get it on a large scale. But it is a very complicated time. But you know, I know that we're gonna get some semblance of live music back as the year goes on, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, it's crazy to hear, like, not only, like, you know, not only are these suburbs going to have cover bands playing the middle of the damn field. Right. It's like Red Rocks is having shows, like, starting next month. It's like, now it's starting to, like, hit me, like, damn, like, things are actually, like, happening in some capacity. And, like, I think Red Rocks had, like, 2,000 to 25 people, or 2,500 people, and I'm like, that's still a lot of fucking people man like it fits yeah. eight thousand, so it's a little over a quarter and I, they'll probably just do like the group thing um yeah. which like they're doing for like the mlb and the nba I, I know that they're not doing it at the united center for the blackhawks and the bulls but they are for the baseball teams and you know like i said it is what it is like nobody you know wants to sit uh, at a at a concert the entire time at a table or with a mask on in a baseball game the entire time but like if that's what we have to do then you know like fuck it man it's not the yeah, it's not, yeah. that, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world yeah right, right. yeah yeah dude um speaking of which I was just to backtrack a little bit um how so kind of what was how did you really start getting more and more into the music scene in Chicago like what was really how'd you really like uh infiltrate it yeah it's a great question um honestly uh I will get more in depth about this but um nothing happened until I started putting my music out there um for example like my first like booking my legit booking was uh an opening slot on a side stage for gentlemen's club which is a uh dubstep trio out of the uk um and I had shared a remix I made of a Jansen track in a Facebook group and the promoter hit me up and was already like commented on it. I was like, yeah, man, this, this is deep. This is crazy. And he's like, would you be interested in playing the show? And I'm like, damn, fuck yeah, it would be. And, uh, played that, um, three months or so later, uh, I started privately publishing Die by the Sword tracks under my SoundCloud account, which was then Connor Cogswell. And uh, 
I started sending it to promoters like Trinium, React, Notion. And uh, I remember DMing uh, one of the promoters, uh, Awakened, which was the, the first song I ever released under Dive of the Sword. And uh, I was like, hey, I, I know you wanted locals to like comment their music this is unreleased and it's like under a name that i haven't even like revealed yet so uh yeah that's why i'm dming you like sorry because the last thing like i could just imagine him opening his email like god fucking damn it i told these fucking locals that comments and now they're sending in my dms like so so i kind of just like said fucking i'm doing it and uh I remember I was like out at the bar and on like a Saturday afternoon and he's like, dude, this song is so sick. And he's like, do you want to open for uh, Charles the first and of the trees? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yes. dude." And uh, then that's when I announced because they had put out the Charles the first ascent tour flyer and it had like die by the sword on there. And then that's when I kind of like went on my personal social medias and was like, yeah, I, I'm going to start solely focusing on dubstep uh, under Die by the Sword. So like that show in March of 2019 was like the birth of Die by the Sword. And uh, ever since then was history. So like after working with the guys who did that, I've played, you know, multiple shows with them. Got me in touch with the Swamp Walker guys. I've played multiple shows with them. Uh, and then the rest is basically just uh, making sure I'm releasing quality music and uh, promoting that as much as I can because obviously I don't have some big fancy team or anything. I do have a marketing degree, so I guess that helps to some extent. Yeah. It wasn't worth the you know sixty seventy five thousand dollars that ISU charged me for that, but that's a that's a talk for another podcast. Um. <laughs> Same here, my friend, uh, yeah. over the border, my journalism degree from UWM, I get it. Yeah, man. <clears throat> it's like, it, it's so interesting uh, how, how fast we all learned that like, and I, I told my parents this who, you know, like obviously like helped me in college uh, financially. So, uh, I told him like college is the biggest sham of all time. And I, I, uh, it's so weird how fast we're all open to admitting that as opposed to like in college or like right after college, I would be like, Oh, well, like I needed this in order to get any job. Like, Hey man, it's the, it's the friends we made along the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm price tagging my friends at 70 G's, man. I might need some of that back. Yeah, yeah, they owe, <laughs> yeah, they owe me. Yeah, yeah, dude. I no, I get that, and yeah, I mean, but that is kind of what I take out of it is like, yeah, you know, I got some skills from college, learned how to write a good story or this or that, like from electives I took. But I met a lot of great people, people that are still friends to this day, and uh, put me in the city. Um, so now that makes it worth it for me, but in turn, in a really like practical sense, like, yeah, 
getting a liberal arts degree in my case, like there's no guarantee of a job like right out of it. And you kind of got to just, and if you are going to get a job like nine times out of 10, it's not the job you want and won't be your, the job you want for a long time. And I, I'm not like, I'm not going to knock anyone who does really value college because college is still dope. Um, and it, it does oh, do great things. The best for time, yeah. I had the best time ever. Yeah. But there's a lot of alternative paths to success these days too. You know, even if you do end up having a degree and what's crazy is like, you know, there's especially like art schools that charge you like up the ass uh, yeah, for, for 40 grand a year, 45. Right. For stuff shit you could probably learn on YouTube. Yeah. For free. <laughs> but you so, know what I wanted to add? What I wanted to add, Ben, is that our generation was molded and we grew up believing the fabricated statement that if you never go to college, you'll never get a job. Right. Like that That's was right. tattooed in that was tattooed in our heads like from like middle school. Like and yeah. I never, I feel, I feel terrible for those who are like passionate about, you know, like firefighters or uh, people who studied a trade, like welding or stuff like that. Like why we weren't taught about that. And like, those people are making way more money than we were out of college. So like, yeah, right. It's, it's just uh, that they, they just wanted us to be part of the machine. That's the sham. Yeah, that's the sham, but you do make a lot of friends and a yeah. lot of good memories so oh yes <laughs> yeah. you learn a lot about what you hit, the, hit, hit the lotto first or make sure your parents are like loaded yeah <laughs> right yeah you learn a lot about what you don't want to do also which yeah helps. yeah um my last question for you connor is uh what you have uh in store for the next couple months uh yeah what can people expect from you yeah so i actually thought about this last night. I was like, should I say this on the podcast? Ah, fuck it. Yeah. Um, obviously like just now putting out, um, the district EP about, you know, a month ago, which will be in like four days. Um, not going to have a new EP out anytime soon, but when I do next, it will be from a renowned name that I am working with. Hmm. And uh, for the record, I will just say it is not deep, dark and dangerous. So I just wanna, I just wanna get that out there because you know, someone in my genre, whenever they say that, everyone's like, oh, it's DDD. Like I, I love truth, I love their roster, but uh, it's, it's, it's not them. Um, I am working on an EP for someone uh, renowned in this scene uh, globally. So, that will be interesting to work on. Um, wouldn't expect it anytime soon. So I'm going to be writing in the next few months. Uh, I will release a track for free uh, to download on SoundCloud and on Bandcamp. It does use samples from another artist's uh, sample pack. And basically, I just had to run it past him to see like, hey, can I release this as a download? Because aside from like, my sense like every single percussion track is yours like recorded in your studio and he's like yeah the free download's fine so i'm gonna put that out uh really like that song i'll be playing it out tomorrow i I don't think i've ever played it out before um 
So I'll release that to kind of bridge the gap between the EPs, maybe like some self-release stuff as well. Uh, and then just honestly, man, gonna, you know, enjoy a summer after the hard pandemic makes its way out and uh, just try and get back out there on the stage. Oh yeah, dude. I hope to see you. I hope you can come up here to Milwaukee and play a real show uh, sometime soon. Yeah. And uh, that'll definitely be in the works. So uh, when I do, I definitely owe you a, a drink or something, man. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we could go to that bar that you used to live above. Oh, it's closed now, but uh, we'll go to plenty of other spots we can go to. Yeah. But yeah, man, I look forward to seeing you out there. And uh, also, yeah, look forward to hearing what you have in store. Uh, we'll be watching. Um, yeah, man, uh, on our way out, uh, I ask everyone the same two questions. First is, Connor, what keeps you up at night? I have come to the realization that um, I'm never satisfied, no matter what it is. It's not always a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. I yeah. love it, but then at the same time, it does keep me up at night. Uh, so with that being said, never being satisfied. And you know, when I was younger, I was a night owl, like, fuck, like middle school summers, I'd be up to like three to 5 a.m. And like high school, I was up, you know, till midnight every night, which like not most high schoolers are doing because we were getting up at like six something a.m. Yeah. Um, and when I would stay up like then, I was like super self-critical and safe to say like, the reason what keeps me up at night is definitely not being a critic of myself. It's like being like, how do I expand what I have? And, you know, that means like with my day job, that means with the music thing, that means, you know, getting into a bigger place, just making sure I'm always moving forward is a better way to put it. Yeah. As opposed to sounding like kind of an ungrateful little dick saying i'm never satisfied like definitely satisfied but uh, i i'm not satisfied with uh being stagnant so you're always maybe. thinking about the next step which is a good yeah yeah same here man I, I i know exactly what you mean um the second question is what puts you to sleep what puts me to sleep is knowing that you know i am enough and uh, I had I had some issues with uh, with that in my professional life and my personal life uh, on a on a pretty heavy scale in the last twelve months, um, and it kind of almost sucked me in whole when uh, when I would think to myself like, "Am I enough for?" this company, this person, these people for this project, for everything. And uh, what puts me to sleep is knowing that I'm the only one who could be the judge of that. And I am enough. Oh, yeah, dude. I love that, man. That's beautiful. Um, Thanks. Those are some good questions. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, I, you're feel like I, I feel like I'm in a job interview now. Well, uh, you're hired. 
Uh, <laughs> thanks for being on the show, Connor. I appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, great to get to know you better. Yeah, it was awesome, man. I can't wait to meet in person and uh, definitely uh, we'll keep you in touch whenever I'm in that area. I anticipate it being somewhat soon. Cool. Right on, dude. I'm, I'm right here. So, uh, and I hope to visit Chicago more often. I got to, I have, yes, I owe. I, as mentioned, uh, I will be staying here for another year at least. So, because it's my fourth year here. So, I'm kind of like, and especially after living in the loop of Chicago during all the lockdowns, like it's kind of sucked. But uh, I'm going to definitely make my way back to a more neighborhood type of area. And uh, yeah, I am more than happy to meet up or host you whenever you're around. So hit me up, man. Let's do that, my friend. For everyone watching, I'll be tagging Die by the Store by the Sword. Uh, so you can check out his music. Um, he's got District out. Came out about a month ago, so go stream that. Stay tuned for what he has in store. Um, we're, we're pulling through the pandemic. Uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Straight to uh, the stage. Yes. The stage is near. Thanks for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We will see you next time. Yeah. 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 Yeah.